Tune in to find out how one scientist disinfects water for growing plants. It's shocking. My name is Louis Colorotolo, and I am a PhD candidate at the University of Guelph Food Science Department trying my absolute best to get a degree, and results are quasi-repeatable. But to add just a touch of variability to the process, I like to talk with other graduate students about what they're doing, studying, and learning, and how that applies to our lives. Today, I'm talking with electrochemist, water-loving Serge Levesque, who uses a little bit of electricity to kill a whole lot of bacteria. But frankly, he says it better than I do, so here's what he has to say about what he's doing. Now, what I do with uh, electrochemical disinfection is basically a battery in reverse. So we're applying power to the electrodes to change the chemistry of the water and disinfect it. This scientist wants to kill bacteria so that we can grow plants without risk of getting sick. And how he's doing it? Well, it's electric. Boogie, woogie, woogie. So if you want to be shocked, listen up. And remember that we're both graduate students. We don't know everything, but that's why you're listening to We Know Some Stuff. Howdy, I can't even say this <laughs> with a student. Howdy, cowboy. Hi, Serge, how you, how you doing today? Yeah, no, doing great. Uh, glad to be that, here. That is, it's wonderful to have you here. So happy. Uh, could you do us a favor and uh, tell us a little bit about where you got your undergrad and, and what you're doing now and, and how you ended up in this sticky situation? Absolutely. Yeah, so uh, I actually started my undergrad at Laurentian University uh, in environmental science. As I was going through the program, I, I really thought that I want to focus on water and just water in general, because water is a very important resource. As I was making my way to uh, my fourth year, I decided I want to quantify microplastics and going through a wastewater treatment plant. I, I really enjoyed research and I want to continue it. And I knew that I wanted to do master's research. So I found my way to the University of Guelph and they're looking for somebody for water treatment, but it wasn't for wastewater treatment. It was actually for hydroponics. And now what I study is electrochemistry and applying electrochemistry in hydroponics. And what electrochemistry is, is using uh, metallic plates that are coated with uh, special rare earth metals and you can do a variety of things. So one of them, pretty old technology, uh, it's been around since the 1970s, you can do chlorination. And what you do is you add a little bit of chloride salt, and when it reaches the electrode and you pass electricity, you can form chlorine and you can disinfect it. Actually pretty common, like in swimming pools or hot tubs. Interestingly enough, it's never been used in hydroponics. And the benefit of that is like usually in the industry, you would take a say bleach bottle and you would just add that and inject it in your hydroponics solution. Uh, but this, you don't need any storage tanks. You don't need constant injection. You can actually form it in solution. So you can keep recirculating your hydroponic water without ever injecting anything. Uh, and you can keep recycling your chlorine. Another system, which is pretty interesting, another set of electrodes, you can actually split water into what are called hydroxyl radicals. So hydroxyl radicals are basically very, very strong oxidants, and they're very short lasting. 
They actually only last like 10 to the minus nine seconds. They can disinfect, so they can break, like uh, kill a lot of different pathogens. Uh, but the neat thing is you can break down a lot of compounds that you don't want in your food. So stuff like pesticides or antibiotics or another popular one is polyfluoroalkyl substances or PFAS that are more common. Yeah, so uh, those are the types of te technologies that I actually work with is water treatment for hydroponics so we can make our food healthier and protect them from pathogens. All right. So that that's a, that's a whole lot of things. That is a whole lot of things. I want to start from the very basics and I I'm going to ask a question and it it might be a big question. Yeah. It might be too big of a question actually. Uh water is important for plants, right? Yep. That's a that's given. Uh I, but at the same time, like we 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 use water for plants and I grow some herbs in my backyard that the squirrels just think are delicious. <laughs> Um, I don't think they're actually eating the herbs. I think they're actually just digging around them. Um, and I use water. And I go to the hose, and I fill up my water bottle, and then I pour it over there, and that's that. So I honestly don't understand why you're making such a big fuss about this. Yeah, being in Canada, we are extremely fortunate to be around the Great Lakes. And it seems like we have an unbelievable amount, unlimited amount of water. Uh, so why would we be really be concerned about recycling water and reusing it to grow food. Well, there are a lot of countries that are water insecure and we need to develop these technologies, not just for those countries, but also in Canada's North, uh, just because it can be cold and you won't have access to water all the time. So you need ways to actually recycle it. The other big kicker in our lab is when you go to space, and we want to grow food on the moon or Mars, you can't waste anything. You have to have a system that recycles and recirculates and keep reusing water because you can't waste it. And in this way, we grow food way more efficiently and we're not wasting anything. All right, I like this. I, I, I never really think about this. That is something we definitely take for granted is our availability of water. Like, I just turn on taps. I'm like, oh, I'm going to brush my teeth, but I want to brush my teeth with warm water for some reason. Yeah. God, that makes me sound like a bad person. Either way, I I'll leave it just running. Um, but if we are in a situation in which we're using a lot of water, which you need a lot of water to grow crops, you probably would want to recycle it, wouldn't you? Yeah, like, Canada doesn't really have a quantity issue, uh, but the other issue is quality. Like I mentioned, pesticides or antibiotics, and some of these compounds are actually building up in our uh, resources. So water quality is just as limiting as quantity. And we don't really see it that way. Like uh, the Great Lakes, unbelievable amount of water, but the quality of water is also limiting for people. Interesting. Uh, so, so then we talk about quantity and quality of water, but then you introduced the term hydroponics. Yeah. Um, there's a good chance that a lot of people know what hydroponics are, uh, but could you give us just a brief explanation of that? Yeah, so hydroponics is basically just using water uh, to grow plants, but the water, you add ions, so uh, different salts that are actually very important for plant growth. Uh, the biggest ones are nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium. Is this the one that you grow stuff without the dirt? Is yeah. that hydroponics? Yeah, that's right. It's soilless okay. culture. 
Yeah, and, and it's usually greenhouses. You don't grow this outside, do you? Yeah, so it's greenhouses, um, and, and the other big terms are plant factories or vertical farms. Plant factories. Yeah. That sounds like fun. If I was to grow work at a plant factory, I feel like we'd be making like those artificial flowers. Like you go in the craft store, and there's... Where do all these artificial flowers come from? Well, that's what I think of when I think of plant factory. Yeah, it's a relatively new term just because uh, hydroponics can be used for multiple different things. It's not just for food production. Uh, soon, oh. soon enough, we'll probably develop phytopharmaceuticals. So this will be using medicinal plants in these controlled environments so we can actually grow medicine and isolate it. And the important factor about that is because well, a lot of people go out in the forest and they take the medicinal plants. But in doing so, you're actually potentially exterminating uh, those types of species. So it'll be important to bring them inside so we're actually conserving them and producing the medicines that we need. That That's super interesting stuff. I know um, a few people who were 100% legally doing hydroponics in their basement at one point yeah. for one specific medicinal uh plant um so i think i I think i get where you're going uh so but here's the thing here's the thing you have soil when you're growing plants and i've always been told the nutrients are in the soil and now we don't have soil so you're putting nutrients and stuff into the water is that right that's right it's basically just fertilizer salts it can be very pure the other one i use this term loosely organic hydroponics so you can Ah. blend up Uh, basically plant matter, say uh, compost, and you can mix it with water. And those nutrients, the the ions that are available, can be used for plant growth. So ions, good. Certain ions, good. Certain nutrients, good. We love these things. They make our plants grow nice and big and strong and delicious and tasty, yada, 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 and fast. All these things. But you have to find a good way to introduce them into your systems. And you don't want to be just dumping gallons of nutrients constantly on these things because that's kind of wasteful. Yeah, that's exactly right. And the other thing is, uh, so you probably heard of algal blooms. Uh, yeah. You know what? That, that Let me try to explain this one. Yeah. Let, let's see. Yeah. You're gonna, you're about to like walk into the depths of my lack of knowledge of these things. But isn't that the thing where... Um, a whole bunch of nutrients go into something like the Great Lakes and then all the yucky bacteria eat it up and then they bloom like algae exactly. and, and it gets too dark because they're, they're, they grow so much algae that something in the, in the bottom of the lake doesn't get as much nutrient. I don't I'm losing myself. Yeah, here. no, uh, you're definitely on the right track. So basically uh, you dump too many nutrients out into the Great Lakes and what it forms is a lot of algae. Now, algae is actually great. It produces oxygen, just like plants. But what happens is some of the algae dies. And when the cells fall into the water column, it consumes oxygen. Fish need dissolved oxygen to survive. So what it ends up doing is killing the fish because of the algae that's dying and due to such high nutrient content. Okay, and and this is a result of having too much nutrients and fertilizers and things in the Great Lakes. But we're not directly adding nutrients to the Great Lakes. That would be silly. No. We're not doing that. This is a byproduct of farming. Yeah. And it's because we use too much. Should we just use less fertilizer? Why 
Why is this an issue? Yeah, you're exactly right. Uh, the the main issue is uh, outdoor agriculture, and there are a lot of guidelines that are imposed of farmers. I shouldn't say guidelines. There are strict rules, how much manure that they can apply to fields and how often to try to decrease algal blooms. But it is directly caused by certain aspects like that. And it's not just outdoor agriculture, wastewater treatment plants. When you're treating the water, you have to remove all those nutrients before you send it out to the lake. But there are times where there can be very, very high volumes and it can be very tricky to actually remove all of it. Yeah, I always feel that wastewater treatment is kind of a funny concept because you take dirty water, you make it clean, and then you put it where people are not going to use it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's... It's kind of funny in its own way. It's like cleaning up your garbage before you take it to the dump. Absolutely. Yeah. No. Um, and that's exactly how a wastewater treatment plant works. Most of the systems, you're using microbes to clean up the water. and To use dirty things to clean up dirty water to make it clean for the dirty water location. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This is logical. I get it. <laughs> but continue. Continue. Yeah, and it's a whole cyclical pattern because you can't just be dumping stuff directly into the lake, so you do need treatment. But without outdoor agriculture, you need that buffer zone. You need to have the microbes break down a lot of the stuff. But the thing is, even when the microbes break it down eventually to ions, it makes it to the lakes, and that's what causes algal blooms. All right, so these, these microbes are working for us, but th this is not necessarily your thing. You, you might love these microbes. You might be fascinated by them, but you are working more so in the preventing the overuse of the nutrients so that they don't even go to the wastewater treatment in the first place. Exactly. So what I focus on is closed-loop hydroponics, so we can actually keep growing food and not have to dump out the water as often as possible just so you can grow food more efficiently you know so cyclical you know i can't think of a better word to describe what you're talking about than cyclical yeah another word would be regenerative Ooh, oh that's that's a hot yeah, word regeneration oh. yeah so you're recycling or regenerating in that way like uh basically you're you're preventing dumping out all, all the stuff that basically some people would see as waste but other farmers would see as like another opportunity so let me let me float you through what's going on in my brain right now we got these plants that are kind of like on a shelf of some degree and there's water passing by below them and the roots are grabbing it and they're loving it and they got all these little nutrients. And sometimes a plant grabs a nutrient, but a lot of times the nutrient just kind of washes past the plant. Mm -hmm. But if we recycle, if we regenerate this water, the plant has another opportunity to grab those nutrients. Exactly. And again, and again, and again, and again. Until it basically runs out of nutrients and you have two options. You either add more salts to the water or you can basically dump out the water and there's less salts in the water. Okay, so is one of those done more often? It depends on the facility. So one thing with recirculating water is there's a lot of different nutrients. And like I mentioned, nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium are taken up very, very much. They're called macronutrients. There's other ones that are called micronutrients. So these are things like, like copper, zinc, iron, manganese, 
like I mentioned, as you're recirculating and the nutrients are going down, you can add more fertilizer. But the thing is, like the macronutrients are being taken up a lot faster than the micronutrients. So the micronutrients can actually build up in solution to levels that can actually become toxic for plants. So you can't recirculate forever because of that buildup. But what you can do is basically keep reusing the water and decrease the amount of times that you're dumping out the water. Okay. All right. So there's kind of a multiple different ways we can approach reducing the amount of water. Exactly. Like kind of adding just a little bit more. It's sort of like, you know what I'm thinking? You know, when you get like orange juice container and you're like, there's not enough orange juice for a full glass. So yeah. You just add a little bit of water to yeah. it. You get diluted and swirl it down. Uh, that's what I'm feeling over here for plants. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, I, I, I want to bring up a topic that honestly, when you said it at the very beginning, I was like, oh, great. We're going to have to talk about that. You said the word electrochemistry. And I, the only thing that I've ever known about electrochemistry are those diagrams that we had to learn in high school where there's like a plus on the left side and a negative on the right side. Something about a salt bridge. I feel like the salt bridge was like the most important part of this whole thing. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, first year chemistry for uh, undergrad. Ugh. Uh, (laughs) All right, bring me back. Bring me back to the memories. Yeah, so the plus side is a cathode, and the negative side is an anode. Now, when you pass electricity through, the anode actually steals electrons. What it does is it oxidizes compounds. At the cathode, it actually adds electrons, so it creates reducing conditions. Now, the salt bridge can be anything that's in between, and that's basically all of your ions that are in between the electrodes that can carry the current between both plates. All right. Uh, this is like how batteries work, yeah. isn't it? Uh, that's exactly it. So when I mentioned electrochemistry, it's anything from batteries to fuel cells to what I, what I do, like uh, water disinfection. They're all related. But you're not just throwing a handful of AA batteries into the water that you put into plants. No, the way I like to look at it is, uh, so batteries, you have a solution and it's storing a lot of energy. Now, when you connect it to say an electric motor, it powers the motor because it's actually redirecting the energy from the solution to the electrodes and powering that motor. Now, what I do with uh, electrochemical disinfection is basically a battery in reverse. So we're applying power to the electrodes to change the chemistry of the water and disinfect it. Reverse battery like that. That got me interested (laughs) over here. Yeah. So you you're you're putting like ions into the water or you're you're changing the ions in the water. So, yeah, you do have to add ions in the water. Uh, because water is actually an insulin. If you had pure water and you applied electricity, uh, like you think about the cartoons and people sticking their hand on the water and getting shocked, if you had pure water, you wouldn't get shocked. And the reason for it is because you need ions to actually carry the electrons from one side to the other to actually get shocked. And ions make water taste good, don't they? Yeah, no, uh, salts in general, like your table salt is uh, sodium chloride. You can just add a little bit of that 
and basically it makes the water conductive. Okay, and that that's a good thing because, I mean, what would be the harm of watering a plant with zero ions? Like, what if I just gave the plant the purest water that exists? So there's osmotic potential, uh, which is just a fancy word that if there's a lot of ions in one area, say within the plant, but zero ions within the water, it will actually steal the nutrients from the plant and want to go towards the water. But if there's a fine balance, the plant will actually suck up the nutrients towards the plant. If you added pure water, it would actually steal nutrients from the plant because it actually wants to go towards the water. Interesting. Okay. All right. Ions, good. You're using ions in like a somewhat combative way, though. Yeah. So you need fertilizer salts to support plant growth. Uh, what I do for electrochlorination, I add uh, potassium chloride because you want that chloride to be converted to chlorine species. And the chlorine is uh, what you're producing to actually disinfect the solution. And and we want that, right? We, As you said earlier, we use chlorine in our pools and hot tubs, and yep. that makes sure that we don't get like that stanky bacteria that grows in there. Absolutely. We want that for plants because like... Uh, I imagine we've all heard about like, oh, E. coli and spinach and things like that. So are we, are you like combating these illnesses, like these foodborne illnesses by using these uh, ions? Yeah, that's right. E. coli, salmonella. But what I was working with was uh, actually two types of fungi. And the reason for that is because, so when you're chlorinating the water, plants can actually only tolerate about uh, 2.5 ppm. Now, these funguses, when you chlorinate them, you need about 5 to 6 ppm. So there's a little bit of a dilemma there. It's like, do I kill the, the fungus that will kill my plants, or do I kill my plants? Yeah, so my research, when I actually conducted it, what we basically found is we could kill these fungi without passing that threshold. We actually killed them all, and the residual chlorine concentration was about 0.25 ppm. Yeah, so we were actually able to eliminate them without killing our crops. I, I, am I allowed to ask how? Because you just told me you need double the chlorine that you normally do. Yeah. So, yeah. like, how? So, a lot of systems, they use injection and you need to inject that much like solution to actually kill them. But the thing is, what I do is I, I kill the fungi as it's passing through the electrodes. So there's a lot more that's happening when you do that. So it's not just chlorination. When you apply voltage to say a membrane, all life has like a lipid bilayer, you can actually increase the porosity of the membrane. So when you apply the voltage, you open up the pores. So the chlorine actually makes its way through the pores and basically kills the pathogen much more uh, efficiently. And do you sleep well at night knowing that you're doing this to these poor fungi? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's the cost of research. I know that there's been uh, a lot of souls that have missed out on their full longevity of life. But um, I mean, Their fungi potential? 
Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. My supervisor doesn't seem to be deterred by that, but... (laughs) The soulless supervisor. Okay, so this is interesting, right? You're able to kind of, like, loosen up these fungi's uh, membranes or whatever, and then that allows the chlorine to get in and does its job without using nearly as much chlorine as before. That's right. So that's, like, that's, like, pretty cool. Because now... Not only are you getting rid of this fungi, you're actually reducing the amount of chlorine needed to get rid of the fungi. Yeah. That's like a 2-2. So we're able to kill them much more efficiently and protect plants to feed people. And that's important. Last time I checked, that's pretty important. Yeah, well, chlorination is actually the most common method for disinfecting hydroponics. Yeah, so we just found a way you can produce it in solution. Uh, while it's recirculating because a lot of these systems you're injecting it but the downside to that is you need big storage tanks and also when you're injecting chlorine when it reacts with the the pathogen it releases chloride ions and the chloride actually builds up in solution over time but this system so no storage tank we're just treating in the water and we can keep uh, reusing the chloride ions for as long as you want. So uh, normally these chloride ions, they don't do as much until you pass them through yeah. and change them. Exactly. So in a traditional setting, which you're not recirculating, you get the chloride ion and it's just going to float its way down to the Great Lakes. That's right. You're saying like, all right, reduce, reuse, recycle. Like, I feel like you got three R's here. Yep. First, you're reducing the amount of water. You're recycling the water. And I forgot what the third... Reduce, reuse, reuse? And recycle. uh, You're recycling the ions. Look at that. I'm here writing an ad campaign for you. Or regeneration. Oh, there's that other R. Regenerating. Regeneration. Say goodbye to the storage tanks. We got you covered over here. (laughs) Exactly. Through passing these things through your electrodes, you're able to kind of like revamp them, recharge them, so that they're ready to do a little bit more killing on the way out again. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, basically it stops you from ever having to buy another bottle of bleach. Oh, so like how long, how many times can you do this? I imagine there's got to be a limit. So during my master's, I I grew some plants for a month and I monitored the chloride levels just to see if any was escaping as a gas, but it was negligible over four weeks. Wow. So yeah, no, you're just basically reusing the chloride for as long as you want. Now, not forever, but for a much, much longer uh, period of time than just adding chlorine to a solution. That seems kind of like a game changer. Is it? This sounds like a really big deal. Yeah, no, uh, that's what I'm doing for my PhD. So we actually have a two provisional pet were applied. And uh, right now I'm just working on testing its scalability, optimizing it, and hopefully in the future commercialize it. Oh, that's exciting, right? So, you know, you got to yeah. do all the science, all the all the research, all the writing in your lab notebook before you're able to really bring it to the hydroponic uh, plant factories. So during my master's, like I, I tested it, I figured out, yes, it does work. But now what I'm working on is the R&D. Can you make it bigger? And can you fit it in these large uh, factories? How big of a scale are you working in right now? We're planning to work on. Uh, so right now, like not too big. What we're actually working on is developing a modular system. So instead of 
building one ginormous system, you would just hook up a bunch of modules, depending on how much water that you, uh, you're actually treating in a day. So that way, one size fits all, you just have to order, like get more of them and you can place it at different parts of your system. That's super cool. Kind of like Legos. You're just placing your little modular over here, over there. Yeah. That's just cool. in line. You don't have to really change much. It's just choose a pipe and attach it to it. All right. Uh, so then in the future. Am I going to see like a clickbait article that says something like chlorine manufacturers hate this guy for <laughs> for this one big reason? And it's because like, are you going to drive him out of business? Like, is this like chlorine manufacturer beware? Likely not. Uh, just because they've been around for a very, very long time. And uh, when you buy a bottle of bleach, it is like factories that have large electrochemical cells that are making pure bleach. And they're selling that to you. What I'm just trying to do is basically have a system where you can just form it in, in situ uh, on site uh, whenever that you want, but in line, uh, because there are a lot of companies where they'll sell you the unit, but you need like a big tank full of say like a, a table salt and you pass it through the system into another storage tank and then you inject it into the solution. So that that's been done for a little while now but i was trying to eliminate the storage tanks just basically have something that's in line and you can form the chlorine without taking up a lot of space all right and uh, less space used for these storage tanks more plants that we can grow more people that we can feed and for your sick habits more fungi that we could kill yeah yeah well that it seems like you have uh, a, a lot of work to do this is not something that's going to just clear itself up in the next couple of days, is it? Uh, no. <laughs> yeah, so basically I'm in year one, and right now I'm actually scaling it and optimizing it. And then I'm hoping by December I'm going to start a hydroponic trial in uh, the greenhouse. And if that works well, then that will basically cover like first two chapters of my PhD. And I'm working with other systems as well just because you you need to you need to change it up you need to come up with like uh newer things and stuff that's never been done no i'll definitely have another few years of work uh just worry us developing not. and modifying <laughs> you'll be yeah. here for a little while yeah you just got to make electrochemical systems sexy again that's all we're asking oh yeah trust me i work with an electrochemist and he he tells me he's like well yeah, no, you just have to revive it because it, it was super, super big in the 80s. Mm -hmm. And then the 90s, it was like kind of went down. And now like in the 2000s, it's just like been climbing up for different applications. Like retros in, like we're about this. Yeah. Well, like it, if you think of uh, hydrogen cars, like fuel cells, because uh, hydrogen fuel cells were developed way back like probably in the 1960s and now it's climbing up again it just found a renewal so this is truly like the regenerative aspect of electrochemistry now sexier than ever oh yeah absolutely and positively charged also negatively charged but i don't understand the chemistry enough to make that distinction oh no that's a great pun <laughs> hey that's what i'm here for honestly all i do is i make puns about electrochemistry and then i close a laptop <laughs> and call today yeah
Yeah, no, that's what we live for. <laughs> that's, that's true. That's true. That is our bread and butter over here. Um, all right. Do you have any final words to say before we close up shop today? No, just thank you so much for having me and uh, providing a platform. Yeah, I really enjoyed like talking with you. Yeah, well, it was a pleasure over here. Uh, good luck in the future and uh, disrupt the big chlorine industry. No, joke, joking. Don't do that. Um, but <laughs> good luck in the future. Thanks. By the end of listening to this episode, you might be surprised to find out how many times I can reuse the same pun. It's honestly shocking. And much like Surge's systems, I'm recycling old material. But before our battery runs out, we need to cover one final topic. Every episode of We Know Some Stuff ends with a little fact check, where both I and the guests take some time to listen to the episode, make sure we said everything we meant to say, and then correct it. So, Serge and I listened to this episode multiple times, and we did not find anything that needed correcting. However, if something does come up in the future, we will be the first to report it. So we are officially powering down this episode of We Know Some Stuff.